0: Hi, I'm Caleb Matthews.
1: And I'm Mary Huffnagel.
0: And welcome to the What's My Therapist reading podcast.
1: We read books so you can decide what's right for you.
0: And today we will be reading uh, Pooja Lakshman's book, uh, Real Self-Care. Um, And we are super excited to talk about this one with you. It's uh, really, really great. Um, And the way that we've decided to summarize this for you was we originally said that we were going to find three quotes from the book, but this book has lots of good quotes, so y'all are going to get four. Um, So uh, four quotes from each of us. So that's eight total quotes. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, we'll get started with some quotes. Mary, do you want to kick us off?
1: Yeah. um, Real self-care is not only a more authentic and sustainable solution, it's also self-determined. It involves the internal process of setting boundaries, learning to treat yourself with compassion, making choices that bring you closer to yourself, and living a life aligned with your values.
0: Nice, and my first quote is, short and sweet, uh, self-care is an inside job. Yeah. Really like that one.
1: Yeah real self-care as you'll see is not a one-stop shop like a fancy spa retreat or a journaling app it's an internal process that involves making difficult decisions that will pay off tenfold in the long run as a life built around the relationships and activities that matter most to you my goal is to teach you the difference between the two not only by lifting the veil on commodified faux self-care but also by transforming your understanding of what a real practice of caring for yourself could look like and showing you that it's possible.
0: Then, mine is the three reasons that people usually try to pick faux self-care are escape, achievement, and optimization. Yeah.
1: I didn't get much guidance in medical school or residency on what to do when your patient can't pay for health insurance. Or when she's lost childcare for the third time in two months and is being fired from her job. Instead, I was taught to prescribe medications or provide psychotherapy for issues that were clearly inter- clearly systemic. While there is certainly a great need for both these medical interventions, the lack of attention to the inhumanity of our social policies left me feeling powerless, just like my patients. I like
0: that one. Yeah. yeah. Next is, a method may be useful once to solve one specific type of problem. Principles, however, can be applied broadly and repeatedly. Though self-care is a method. In the moment, going for a run might improve your mood, but it does nothing to change the circumstances in your life that led you to feel drained, energyless, and down. On the other hand, the work of real self-care is about going deeper and identifying the core principles to guide decision-making. When you apply these principles to your life, you don't just feel relief in the moment, you design a system of living that prevents Mm -hmm. the problems from coming up in the first place. In other words, applying a methodology of faux self-care is reactive, whereas practicing real self-care is proactive.
1: I love that one. Yeah, me too. You'll know you're practicing real self-care when it feels like your insides are matching. I'm sorry. I got it backwards. You'll know you're practicing real self-care when it feels like your outsides are matching your
0: insides. Yeah. Short and sweet. Good one. Um, And then my last one is um, whenever she starts talking about hope modules. So um, she says, I was fortunate to receive training in this framework, hope modules, when I was a psychiatrist resident and have seen it work uh, for many patients. The gist of it is this. In order to cultivate hope, people need to activate one or more of the following four different types of coping skills. So the four are problem solving, emotion regulation, activating a core identity, and relational coping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, yeah, to go into uh, each of those a little bit more. So problem solving, an example of that would be jumping to a task or action that helps you to move forward tangibly. Emotion regulation is reducing uh, your in the moment stress level or feelings of discomfort. Activating a core identity, for example, would be uh, connecting with an individual or collective identity. And then the last one, relational coping, is connecting with mentors or important people in your life. Um, And that is all her language around that.
1: Nice. So we'll get into more of that later, but what are the trigger warnings for you, Caleb?
0: Yeah, so the first trigger warning that came up, um, and she mentions it right in the beginning, and I don't know how triggering it would be to people, um, but uh, she talked about being in a cult at one point. Um, she was in this um, orgasmic meditation cult, um, and she uses that throughout the book in a very like um, great way because she uses it as examples of like how this orgasmic meditation cult taught her like all of these sometimes faux self-care or sometimes like not even real because it was like these external people saying they had the answer and she very much hammers in throughout this book, like no, real self-care is whenever you like look inward and figure out what works for you. Um, But having having
1: that lived experience helped her identify the features of faux self-care so that like, she does talk about throughout certain things that are like, here's a red, here's a red flag. If you hear this, <laughs> yeah. here's a red flag. If you hear that.
0: Um. Yeah. Well, and I think that she does a really good job of it. I almost didn't think to put this as a trigger warning, but I guess if maybe oh, you triggering. came from, yeah. Like if you came from a cult, <laughs> like it, and it, you didn't know that that was going to be brought up. Like I wouldn't have picked think, up real self-care and been like, Oh, this is going to talk about cults. Like,
1: well, and when I, I knew that but only because I'd heard her interviews before but yeah I didn't I still even though I knew that I didn't expect like it's like right from the jump it's like the first thing she talks about so yeah. it's it's a little jarring to like well let's get right into it Um, I think the particular cult she was in like if there's purity culture things going on for you that could just be triggering activating of like yeah wait what um what people in our book club who were triggered by this said is it impacted their like ability to sort of trust her as a reliable resource. Like they had to earn her trust after that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, those are the things that kind of come up. Yeah. Sure. It can be triggering, but
0: yeah, we did have one person who said that they were triggered because they were in a cult growing up and that was yeah. triggering for them. So that's one of the mm-hmm. reasons why I thought to, to put it over here.
1: Yeah, there were multiple people triggered by that, for sure.
0: What about, uh, I know we talked a little bit about this beforehand, but can you say a little bit more about the uh, choice of using women?
1: Yeah, many people were uncomfortable with her choice of using women as like, I don't know the right words, like the identifying noun to me it made me think of like well I'm used to reading books that can apply to everyone but it's always the male pronoun or noun that's used because growing up like was before we had any shifts there so it was like I mean I was still taught in English class that that's what you default to (laughs) so like to me it You know, it was like, oh, we're just doing it the opposite way here. But um, I think there were lots of reasons people were triggered by that. The specific quote where she defines this, um, just so you get an idea of, and see, see if it's triggering for you before you even begin. She says, you'll notice I use the word women throughout the book. The definition I am using is borrowed from Sylvia Federici, who is um, a feminist activist as an aside, but um, who when asked to define the term women has said to me, it has always been in terms of a political category. I use the word women to inclusively mean all people who suffer under oppressive conditions that have typically been associated with the female sex. Which includes queer folks, trans folks, non-binary, intersex, and agender people. And I think other identifying categories of people could be impacted based on their circumstances or other qualities. They could be impacted by the oppressive conditions that have typically been associated with um, a female sex as well. Um, But people were uncomfortable with this for a variety of reasons. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'll let you talk about that a little bit and then.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, uh, so a uh, little coming out party for me, but uh, I'm a gay man. <laughs> so yeah. uh, uh, whenever she included queer folks, um, which uh, like that just, it felt more like, and I was, processing this with mary before we hit record like it feels more like um if women are yellow and gay men are purple like it just feels like she's saying yellow and i feel purple so it just feels like inaccurate Um, because I don't think it's anything to do with the fact that like, I don't want to be associated with women. Although I do have some trans clients, like trans masculine clients Mm -hmm. that I do think would, um, be offended, um, by like Mm -hmm. being roped in or saying like, oh, well, you're a woman too. Like that. Well,
1: their lives. Yeah. Trying to shift to different identities. So I get that. I think it's the, the first part it's the part that says it's intended to include all people who suffer under oppressive conditions yeah that have typically been associated with the female sex and it sounds like like when you're talking about red blue that sounds like just the dissonance of i don't feel like i match the category of women but not the category of someone who has suffered from the oppressive conditions yeah that's a that's a hard shift to make and just to There are other places where i think she points back to this too to reinforce her intention yeah Um, like she talks about how her clinical practice is focused on women um and like the overburdening of women that the overburdening that women experience is one of those oppressive conditions but she says it's not just mothers who suffer from this overburdening it's anyone who has been conditioned to put the needs and preferences of others ahead of themselves it just so happens that one of the things she's trying to call out in this book is the way that society does that to mothers, but she is naming that this happens to other people in other circumstances as well. And then another quote that kind of alludes to this, which um, I think is something you were going to talk about in general vibes. So I'll just transition you there with that.
0: Yeah. He
1: says our patriarchal society has settled women with the mental load, leaving us burned out, disconnected and primed to practice faux self-care as an individual solution to a societal problem. Cause then that's the answer. Well, if you're overburdened, go take a bubble bath. And it's like, well, I'm overburdened because can we, can we relieve some of the burden?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, like, to go back to that, like, methods versus principles, a bubble bath would be, like, a method. Like, it, you're not going to yeah. feel better. Right. Like, you might feel a little bit better after a bubble bath, but, like, it's not going to fix the system yeah. that had you feeling bad in the first place, yeah. which is what principles would do. You
1: can't bubble bath your way out of being concerned that you might have to file bankruptcy for medical expenses, which yeah. is very common in our country. So
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But to, like, shift us over into general vibes, like, this book did such a good job of talking about, like, a lot of the things that we've been discussing already, Mm -hmm. but, like, in a way that was deeper than some of the books that we've even covered. Um, Like, for example, with, she talks about boundaries, but it, like, felt like she went a little deeper than set boundaries, find peace. She also talks about burnout, which we talked about with the Nagoskis. Um, and self-compassion she talks about, which uh, we've talked about a few times with Kristin Neff's research. Um, and so like, she just does a really great job of covering a lot of topics through the lens of self-care. Um, but one of my favorite I quotes, think, go on.
1: I was just gonna say, I think it goes deeper because it does what I was wanting it to do in Self-Set bound, Boundaries, Find Peace is like give the how and like it's the promise that she makes like from one of my quotes my goal is to teach you the difference to a uh, difference between the two by lifting the veil of commodified self-care but also transforming your understanding of what's caring for yourself could look like and showing you that it's possible that's the part she does she shows you that it's possible um, and gives you guidance and how what this looks like sounds like how to implement this
0: resource when there are
1: challenges she names like this is a challenge because of this Um, like guilt is an example of like a challenge that she names and that is a like the guilt is a challenge because you know we're set up to feel guilty by the system because we're putting the the onus on the individual to deal with the societal problem instead of fixing the societal problem so she talks about like you're not necessarily gonna get over the guilt before you begin. You gotta begin first and that helps with the guilt as you take care of yourself and set boundaries. So she says like guilt think of it as like the guilt being a background noise versus yeah. something in your ear. Um, so she talks about the things that make setting boundaries difficult and like how to overcome them.
0: Yeah. Well, and I to jump off of what you were saying about like societal Mm -hmm. problems, she talks about the difference between like burnout, um, which is more like individual focused Mm -hmm. um, versus betrayal. So she says burnout places the blame on the individual, whereas betrayal places the blame on the broken societal structures. And so like betrayal is something like that might be helpful to define for a person if they're like are you experiencing burnout because this is related to you or is this betrayal because like a yeah. system is broken
1: the quote that shook me like i had to stop when i was, I was listening to it in an audiobook is she said and i'm paraphrasing when she said the things that we have identified as burnout are are really societal societal betrayal at the deepest level yeah. Like are yeah. just not offered what you need to exist in a society and then expected to figure out how to, how to do the things without it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That is shaking. The, uh, the other things that I wanted to make sure to touch on uh, in this mm-hmm. like general vibe section is just like how she does go deeper with the, that bro- boundary talk. Mm-hmm. Um, but a couple of uh, the things that really spoke to people through the book club, um, Shelley really liked, shout out to Shelley, um, really liked uh, this one really simple quote, which is that boundaries are not co-created. Um, like you create these boundaries for yourself and then it's mm-hmm. making sure that people know what they are. Um, and the other boundaries quote that I loved was, uh, boundaries are difficult not because you're worried about your yours, but because you're worried about the backlash. Like, you're not worried about yeah. creating it, you're worried about how people will respond to it. Um, yeah, I think you're trying
1: to control the response and you have to prepare yourself
0: yeah. instead. Yeah,
1: it's, it's very good. Um, I think and along those lines of you know, she does take this to a deeper level. That's one of the many benefits of the book. Is that in the in her way, she's not just teaching you and giving you language for things and explaining concepts, but offering you exercises to complete. Mm-hmm. There's excellent reflection questions and exercises to complete to help you cultivate and identify these things for yourself. Um, I think, like my favorite one of those things in the book was the self-care compass yeah um and the it's you know essentially the self-care compass first you have to identify core values um because the self-care compass is a tool to help you move through your life driven by your values and so things i don't i'm like so hesitant to use the word goals because i think even that word takes us into the what she's trying to get us to move away from. It's not about setting goals and achieving goals and achievement. It's about um, noticing what I want to do and then determining how I'm going to do that in a way that's driven by my values. And it leaves flexibility for along the path there, the gulp to shift. Because if I stay in alignment with my values, then I might notice, oh this goal isn't really where I want to end up. And we shift over a little bit like a compass um, versus like a map. You're staying on the same road, like no matter what. So (laughs) I think, yeah, I love, I love that. And it's a really amazing tool. Um, I don't have a lot of draw. I don't have any drawbacks, but what about you? What are the benefits and drawbacks for you?
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't really have um, a ton of drawbacks either. Um, The only thing that I can think of um, might relate back to what we were saying about triggers. Um, People in our discussion group uh, said that uh, this book was written for cis middle to upper middle class women in particular. Um, And so that might be a drawback if you don't feel like you identify with that. And like we said earlier, like women is defined by her in the book as these like oppressed groups like go back a yeah, few minutes not and re-listen cis to that.
1: middle to upper class women that's not yeah. i think who she intends her audience to be yeah and she's pretty clear about that i there were people in the group who felt that way i i wonder sometimes if it's just because she's using the word woman and maybe a cis upper middle class white woman is what we first associate with women because those are the privileged classes of women right like yeah, it might be some neural networks there, but based on her words and the things that she points out with all her example, like
0: I don't think that. Yeah. That's the the who book she to intended me intended
1: it for at all.
0: The book to me felt so inclusive. Like it did feel a little odd, almost to me, that she defined women the way that she defined it, because like so many of the exercises and everything like so many yeah. people can learn from this. Like I didn't feel like those excluded yeah. it, but you said it, might, it well earlier. And, it might have to yeah. do with
1: feminist theory. Like yeah. it, it made perfect sense to me. I didn't flinch at all. I was like, Oh, of course. When she said that. Yeah. I also am like in the world of feminist theory, like reading and understanding it and not necessarily like real feminist theory. Cause I think as we do, In America, we tend to, like, talk about things and we haven't studied, like, the original sources and, like, we think we know what that means and pop culture talks about things that way to lead us to think we know what that means. Uh, But I mean, like, I'm reading original, like,
0: sources, of
1: feminist theory and stuff. So it made perfect sense to me and I wonder if it's just... Yeah. If you don't know that, then it might not land for you. That's all.
0: Yeah, well, and I think people should hopefully still give it a chance because I think one of the Mm -hmm. things that you said that really stuck out to me that rang true was like the reason she uses women so much in this book is because like they are more prone to being oppressed by society
1: in these particular ways, especially. And she's calling that out, and and she is also pointing to the fact that it does happen to other people, but it would be a little bit dishonest Yeah. if I tried to name, if she tried to name that more broadly when it, it's, it's very disproportionate how this impacts women. And I think that's one of the things she's trying to bring awareness to, but she's not here. I wish she was, but like you, I feel like anybody could read this book and get something from it. So
0: yeah. Shout out to you, Pooja. If you do end up listening to this book, uh, or to this podcast episode, um, we would love to talk to you. Yeah, <laughs> we please. we did invite We love her you. To, We're big fans. Yeah, we, we did invite her to the book club, but she wasn't able to make it. Um so <laughs> or she she didn't get back to us yet. But uh if you hear this, please. Yeah, we'd love to speak please. with you. Um so who would you say the book is everyone. recommended for then?
1: I think everyone can get something really yeah. valuable out of it because same uh, the the kind of societal betrayal she's talking about impacts every single one of us, even people who carry privilege, especially the more intense things get around these parts, they're experiencing it more. and and this will help you see it so you don't have to feel like it's you and assign the appropriate responsibilities for the appropriate things to the appropriate places. Yeah, it's like you won't take on. The responsibility for something that isn't yours that's not an individual problem for you to solve that's a societal problem and and that helps you set boundaries it's just a very good book i think everyone would really feel refreshed from some concepts in in here if not all
0: yeah yeah i think recommended for anybody like as mary was saying um completely agree uh Who would you say the intended audience is? So the intended audience being like who she wrote this for. I'm going
1: to go right back to that quote to uh, where I have it. All people who suffer under oppressive conditions that have typically been associated with the female sex. I just happen to believe that that's all of us.
0: Yeah. They've
1: just been associated because they're disproportionately affecting the female sex.
0: So, yeah. No, I, I, and I feel like she even, like referencing that quote, she she says who it's for. So yeah. that's a great answer. Um, yeah, so that's real self care. Um, thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, follow us on Goodreads or Instagram um, by clicking the link in the notes below. And uh, we'll see you next month. Yay. Bye. Uh-